Virginia is for families, all sorts of families. My family, your family, your neighbor's family, for families of all species, for beach chair sitting families and paddleboard standing families, for families that like to camp outside and the ones that would rather museum inside. Yep, we got plenty of those to choose from. For mountain hiking families and would rather hang out by the pool resort going families. Come to think of it, that's more my speed. So in conclusion, Virginia has all sorts of things your family could love. So come love it for yourself. Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're still coming to you after 28 years from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all the information on the Exxon channel and the other great channels that are available to you on Simul TV, visit www.simultv.com. My guest this hour is Dwight Hall, and he's been investigating the paranormal for more than 30 years. Born and raised near Cleveland, Ohio, Dwight has experienced his share of paranormal experiences during his childhood, which led to his first investigation in 1984. Over the years, he has been involved in thousands of investigations and has actively investigated Tombstone, Arizona for 14 years. His well-known haunts include Alcatraz Prison, Terminal Tower, Sherwood Forest, Tower of London, the Bacardi Factory, the Queen Mary, Mansfield Prison, and many more. His background in the military and as a police officer lends to his expertise in the paranormal field. Though he has been communicating with animals both living and passed on since he was a young boy. His goal as an, as an animal communicator is to raise awareness and advance the relationship between human and non-human animals on both the personal and spiritual levels. It is uh, through his communication work that he guides people to deepen their connection with all species in a respectful manner. 
and is inspired by being a voice for domestic animals as well as animals in their natural environments. His website is www.believeparanormal.com. And Dwight, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dwight, uh, tell us about some of the uh, the 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 occurrences or what happened to you as a youth that that led you in the direction of paranormal investigating. Well, when I was you know very small, I uh, of course like most small children, mm-hmm. you know you have imaginary friends, which I did, um, but this imaginary friend would you know, tell me things, um, apparently he, because it was a male, apparently he was a, a cook or a baker, so he would actually give me recipes that I would just run to my mom and say, hey, you know, Mr. Bobo told me we can make this, and I gave her the whole recipe. She's like, how do you know this stuff? Because she's thinking it's just, you know, an imaginary friend. So sure. as I got older, it started to occur to me that, you know, he was not just an imaginary friend that he was real. Of course, he always looked real to me, but uh, it kind of got me interested in the paranormal. And then as I got older, I started more studying and getting more involved with it. Uh, you've been to many uh, places doing the investigations. For example, Tombstone, Arizona. Tell us about some of the hauntings and paranormal uh, occurrences that happened there. <laughs> Wow, yeah, Tombstone, Arizona, you know, one of my favorite places. You know, my wife and I live very close to Tombstone now, um, so it's just kind of an ongoing thing. Um, You know, one of the most haunted, most respected places in Tombstone, of course, is the Birdcage Theater. Um, That's haunted, you know, 24-7. Pretty much any place in Tombstone uh, has paranormal activity just by virtue of, you know, the whole town was, you know, kind of raucous. And, uh, you know, there was a saying that went around that said the streets of Tombstone had a man for breakfast every morning, meaning somebody got killed there at least once a day. So, uh, you know, it's there's really no place you can go in Tombstone that's not haunted. Um, so it, it's a really good breeding ground for, you know, paranormal investigators to come in and, uh, you know, apply their trades, so to speak. So why, after all these years, would these spirits, these entities, these ghosts still remain in Tombstone instead of going to the light and beyond? Well, I think in some cases, you know, my wife and I have been doing this for a little while together. She's Mm -hmm. a psychic medium. um, And it's kind of evolved over time that we believe a lot of these spirits have actually crossed to the light and are able to come back over to a time that they either enjoyed or liked to be in. Um, you know, Tombstone being the place that it was, you know, not a whole lot of rules. You can pretty much do what you want. So I think that's why some of these people are still here. But doesn't that go against what other paranormal investigators believe, that once they go to the other side, that is where they stay? Very true. Very true. Some people do believe that. Um you know, in all honesty, I've been doing this for, you know, a very long time, over mm-hmm. 33 years now. And, you know, it's it's really been a learning experience for me. Um, and, you know, in all honesty, the, the field of the paranormal is a theoretical field. 
Nobody knows anything for sure. The only people that do are the ones that have crossed over or have passed on. So we just kind of have to go on, sure. you know, our own, you know, hunches, experiences and whatnot. So uh, we believe a lot of them have passed over and do come back uh, to a place that they liked and when they were alive. If the if paranormal investigating is is theoretical, then how can we take anything that is paranormal as legitimate? Well, legitimate and, you know, scientific, you know, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is legitimate. It's a legitimate study. And that's what we're doing as, you know, true paranormal investigators. We're studying. Um, when my wife and I go to a place, um, you know, we tell them what we pick up. Uh, we tell them, you know, what evidence we capture, you know, be EVPs or whatnot. And it's, you know, it's up to the homeowner or the business owner or whatever to uh, either accept or not accept it. Um, we've had so many, you know, experiences where we've actually physically seen people that, uh, you know, spirits that look, you know, just as, you know, like you and I. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you turn around and they're gone. And there's no place for them to go. So there has to be an explanation somehow. Um, and what I meant by theoretical is there hasn't been anything yet that we can scientifically put, you know, the supposed scientific methods to, to be able to prove anything, so to speak. So we have to leave it in theoretical and in, you know, observational right now. Why is it that you, like, why do you think that if there is any, anything to the paranormal that the major scientific community just doesn't dive right into further investigate this phenomenon? Well, I think over the years, I think it's been touched on by some of the scientific community. Mm -hmm. But since it can't be quantitatively, you know, put to the rigors of what they call the scientific standard, which means if you do X, Y, then it always equals Z. Right. And that's never the case in the paranormal. It generally isn't the case. So if they can't make it fit that formula, then, you know, they put it off as, you know, can't be proven or it doesn't exist. Um, I tend to disagree, of course, but, um, you know, that's just uh, where we're at on that, I think. So what do you, based on the investigations that you've done and your communication with those who are already on the other side, who've gone to the light and come back, what happens to us when we die? Well, you know, it's all very individual, Okay. Um, as, as we have found out. Um, you know, some people, you know, when they pass on, you know, they, they see the bright light, they go, you know, into the tunnel of light, they meet their family or friends, and, you know, and we only know that through what they call near-death experiences, where people die, and then they come back to life, and that's generally, a, you know, the more common story that they tell um but through talking with you know spirits ghosts either through you know my wife who is also like i say a psychic medium through evps Mm -hmm. that we catch you know the voice electronic voice phenomenon um you know what happens it's it's very individual you can either go and, and stay on the other side or you know come back to you know the plane or whatever you want to call it dimension um and you know exist here 
All right, stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Dwight Hall. And his uh, website is www.believeparanormal.com. And that's B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E, paranormal.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away and don't forget to check out the Exxon channel. I'm Yeah, the Exxon channel on Simultv, www.simultv.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. 
That's www.bradolson.com. Dwight Hollis, our special guest, Exxon Nation. We're talking about, well, we're talking about the paranormal. And uh, Dwight has been investigating the paranormal for hmm, some 35 years now. Uh, Dwight, what has been the the epitome, the 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 most rewarding investigation that you and your wife have done? Oh wow! Um, you know, there's there's been so many. Uh, I guess I'll have to reference an investigation we did about a year or so ago. Um, it's actually in our book. We have a book that just released. Um, last Tuesday, as a matter of fact, uh, worldwide, uh, speaking of the spirits of the old Southwest. And this particular one is in the last chapter of the book. Um, we hold an event in Tombstone, a paranormal event in Tombstone every year. Um, so we take a group of, you know, 30 or 40 people around to different locations mm-hmm. and we do investigations and, and that kind of thing. And generally, we do it with you know paranormal celebrities. This time, it was with uh, Brian Cano from the uh, show Haunted Collector. He was with us, so we went to a, a building there in Tombstone. Um, it's the, called the Saloon Theater. Um, back in the day, during the Tombstone heyday, back in the 1880s, it was what they called Hop Town or Chinatown back there. Um, so. Yeah. You know, I don't want to give the chapter away, and I don't want to make a really long story too much longer, but um, we brought everybody there, and Brian Cano was going to go ahead and just run the investigation, myself and, and Rhonda and a friend of ours, Dan Baldwin, who also wrote the book. Um, we were just going to kind of sit back and just kind of let them do their thing, but they started getting some EVPs, so, you know, Brian called Dan up and said, hey, you know, can you come up and give us a hand? Sure. So Dan goes up, and Dan is a pendulum dowser. He uses a pendulum, um, to, and that's something new that we've kind of got together with him uh, and doing. So he uses the pendulum to kind of talk to spirits, so to speak. Um, Dan was getting some uh, feedback, so to speak, so he called me up. I started picking up stuff, so I called my wife up. So all three of us are working, and uh, in a nutshell, we were able to contact a murder victim, and a and his murderer, who the murder victim had already crossed over and come back to help, his words, his murderer to cross over because his murderer didn't feel like he was worthy to cross over, so it was kind of a, you know, a situation there. Um, when the crossover happened, Dan's pendulum was swinging, and when it actually physically happened there was such a shift of energy in the room and this is a big room we had about 40 people there everybody immediately went to tears including brian cano who doesn't do that at all dan's pendulum actually snapped down and just basically froze it stopped swinging altogether um so we knew something big had happened we assume, of course, that he, you know, he crossed over. That's the feeling we got. But it was just, it was very satisfying. It was very tactile. You could actually feel it. 
And, you know, we had about 35, 40 people in a room that felt exactly the same thing at exactly the same moment. So it kind of gave us a lot of validation there. And uh, that was probably one of the most memorable ones. Has there ever been a time when you kind of were a little scared of what was going on? Um, yeah, I guess there's, there's times or situations Mm -hmm. where I don't know if scared the right word, uh, apprehensive or, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does happen. You get into situations or you're in a location that, you know, things start happening and, you know, you're a little bit uneasy about it, but yeah, absolutely. It happens. I'm human and, you know, we all get scared. We all get nervous and, you know, it absolutely happens. Truly fascinating. Listen, uh, how long have you been an animal psychic, animal communicator? That's very interesting to me because one of the uh, jobs that I had working for our company that uh, does all the type of media and digital and, you know, we do communications and PR work for companies was as the director of communications for the SPCA. So animals are very, are very dear to me. So tell us about that aspect of, of our, of, of what you do. Yeah, not a problem. Um, you know, I started that, you know, I think I was probably about four or five years old when I realized, and, you know, and I know it sounds weird, but um, I noticed that the cat that we had, mm-hmm. I could understand it. It would actually, you know, quote unquote, talk to me. And I was able to talk to it and actually understand each other. Um, and of course, at five years old, I just thought that was normal. Um, so I tried it with other animals, dogs and stuff like that. And you know, for the most part, I was able to connect with them and have the same, uh, you know, conversation, so to speak. Um, my parents did not understand that. Uh, they did not, <laughs> they didn't really kind of deal with that too well at all. But however, my grandmother, um, she recognized it in me. I, I think she was very gifted herself. Mm-hmm. So she kind of, you know, mentored me, I guess you'd say. And, uh, you know, she taught me and mentored me and I was able to kind of work my way up to, you know, actually having conversations, finding out what was wrong with animals, find out what happened to animals. If they, you know, left or, you know, ran away, came back, that kind of thing. It's, it's been just amazingly, amazingly rewarding work for me because I'm, I'm in the same boat. I just, I love animals of all kinds and, you know, being able to have this communication with them has really uh, been a special gift for me. Um, what, what, what's it like to talk to the animals? Well, and and how do you hear? Do you hear it uh, in your in your mind? Do you when they talk to you? Is it instantaneously translated in from from animal talk to a language that you understand, or is it more or less on a telepathic basis? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously it's, a, it's on a telepathic basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure with other, you know, cause it, there's a lot of people that do this kind of work. Uh, for me, it's kind of like playing Pictionary, uh, okay. in a way. Um, you know, when, when I connect with the animal, it kind of shows me a series of pictures and I mm-hmm. decipher those pictures into what the animal's trying to tell me. Um, sometimes it can be, you know, very confusing and it takes a while to get that communication. Um, but that, that's how I communicate with them and they communicate with me. It's a series of, you know, pictures or they allow me to feel physically feel 
you know, what they feel or, or see or taste or smell. Um, I can actually physically, uh, you know, connect with them and, and experience that. What do most animals think about humans? Wow. Um, I guess, <laughs> you know, uh, saying animals, it's kind of a, you know, broad stroke of the pen, but, um, uh, you know, I have to agree with, uh, consensus about cats. Um, they do, uh, consider themselves, I guess, on a little bit higher rung of the ladder than mm -hmm. we are. Um, they're very noble animals, uh, very intelligent animals. Um, and I've, Talk to several that you know, you know. And in, in a word, I guess they they kind of wonder how we walk upright and take care of ourselves. I think, but uh, uh, I guess in general, um, they look up to us, you know, because in general, generally speaking, the ones that I deal with a lot, it's a it's a human and pet situation. So they mm -hmm. kind of look up to the their owners or their pet family. When would somebody call you in to be an animal communicator? Oh, it, oh gosh, a lot of different things. Um, if the animal, you know, is, you know, sick or they all of a sudden they're not feeling well or they don't think they're feeling well or they notice a difference in them or, you know, they're just, they ran away or they, you know, whatever, then they'll call me and I'll, you know, hopefully if it's local, I can come over and actually sit with the animal and, and try to get it worked out. Um, I've helped a tremendous amount of uh, both the animals and the families um, understand each other. Um, you know, people will do things, what they feel in their heart is right by, you know, they'll change the food, they'll change this, they'll change that. And it really doesn't agree well with the animal. So I have to tell the owner, hey, you know, this isn't working well this is you know upsetting the animal this is whatever mm -hmm. and they'll switch back and all of a sudden the animal's back to normal again and happy no disrespect but why would somebody go to you instead of a vet well the vet can't you know a vet can only examine you know the physical they can't tell if, i mean they can do tests and say well it appears that your mm -hmm. animal is sick it's you know it's throwing up but they don't know why or they, they'll try a bunch of different things. And generally, in a lot of cases, I generally get called in after they take their animals to a vet. And, you know, the vet says, you know, I can't find anything wrong. Right. And that's generally when I get called in and I try to, you know, sit down and, and talk to the animal. Gotcha. Um, I'm, called, I'm called in a lot when, when people know that their animal is getting close to the end of their life. And they want to know what can be done to make things better for the animal or, you know, that kind of thing. So that, you know, kind of a sad part of the job, but it's still rewarding. All right. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour, <coughs> excuse me, is um, Dwight Hull. And his website is BelieveParanormal.com. And Dwight and I will be back on the other side talking more about communicating with animals as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back, everyone. Dwight Hull is my guest this hour, and we're talking to Dwight. He is a psychic. He is an animal communica uh, communicator. He is a paranormal investigator, and his website is BelieveParanormal.com. What's your favorite animal to talk to? Um, you know, 
I'd have to say that cats. I, I love cats. Mm. Um, they just have a. I'm able to connect with cats a lot easier for some reason, and I can't explain it. And uh, you know, most of the time they, you know, kind of have that attitude, which you know, I guess I appreciate a lot. Um, you you were we were saying before we went to the last break that you're called in by families whose animals are are getting ready to cross over. How do you help them out? The the family that is. Well, what I try to do is try to be, you know, the interpreter, I guess you'd say, between them and the animal. I mean, obviously, they know their animal. They've, you know, had them for probably most of all their life. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes the animal, uh, you know, doesn't want the same things that what the owners think they want. Um, or to make him more comfortable, the owners will, you know, I'll put, you know, blankets in his bed and make it more this and that and the other thing. And, you know, the animal doesn't want that. It doesn't feel right. It's, you know, so, um, you know, it's just very individual to the animal. Um, and just the communication between the animal and the, the family. Uh, the question I get a lot and I, I can't answer, it's not something I want to answer anyway, but, you know, a lot of them say, well, how, how long does a pet have? Well, I don't know. It's right. just like a human. You don't know. You know, they can't tell you how long they've got either. So um, I, I just try to be that conduit between the two. Are animals reincarnated like people? You know, you know, again, from the cases I have run into, mm-hmm. um, it, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, I have come across animals that are, and, you know, forgive me if you don't, you know, get this, I guess, but I have run into a lot of animals that are actually reincarnated from humans. They actually have more of a human soul in them. Um, I I can talk about one, you know, as a, for instance, that, uh, kind of what, yeah, it was it was just a very unique experience, and I've not run into this since or before. Um, but there's a, a dog that I was asked to uh, do a reading on, and found out that through talking with the dog that it actually had, believe it or not, two you know human souls in it, and they were actually twins when they were alive they were in an orphanage and they died in a fire Hmm. now i know that sounds just super fantastical but everything i described without knowing anything about the dog or the dog's behavior everything that i described that the animal was telling me and i relate it to the owners they're like yes that's exactly what it's doing that's exactly what it does when this happens or whatever and i said let me ask you this. I said, you can't even light a candle in the house, can you? And they're like, no, he just loses his mind. I said, but that, that's because they've died in a fire and they're extremely afraid of fire. And I'm telling them all this before I knew anything about the characteristics of the dog through their eyes. Um, so it, it's been a an ongoing thing. You know, I'll, I'll you know talk to them on a, every few months and, mm-hmm. you know, ask how the pup's doing and how they're doing, I guess. And um, you know, I learned something new every time I do a reading, and that one was, you know, no exception. So how long does it take to do an animal reading compared to a reading of a person? 
Um, again, it depends on the animal. Um, some It's just like talking to a human. You know, some animals you're, you're trying to interview or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people are more forthcoming. Some people are kind of hesitant and they kind of hold back. Same thing with animals. However, and I do want to kind of put this out here, um, what I have found out 100% of the time is animals are incapable of lying. That's, I, I don't know why it is, but they are incapable of lying. So when I do a reading for somebody and I say something, they're like, well, no, that's not right at all. Well, it's not because the animal told me wrong. It's because I deciphered what the animal was telling me wrong. Um, and we have been on ghost investigations where, you know, Rondo will go with uh, the owners of the house and I'll sit there with the pet and I'll talk to the pet about what's going on in the house separately from the owners and what Ron is doing. And then we'll get together and we'll talk in front of the owners saying, okay, this is what the cat told me. And the owners are all like, holy cow, that's exactly right. How did you find that out? I said, the cat told me. And they're like, yeah, right. Well, that's <laughs> how else would I know? So uh, it does come in handy in paranormal investigations as well. Do you think animals have a purpose on earth? I absolutely do. Um, I think it's uh, to bring awareness uh, to, to people, to humans. Um, I think in a lot of cases, um, as you know from working with the ASPCA, um, an animal is sometimes the only companion that a human has. Without that, the, the humans would have lost their will to live or what have you. Mm-hmm. I think we work for them as much as they work for us. Uh, um, I absolutely think they have a purpose, and I think it's just uh, an education, an awareness, and a bonding. What is the most touching story you can share with us about your interaction with animals? Oh, boy. Um, Well, I'll I'll give you a a for instance, a kind of, and I say touching because it, it touched me and it touched uh, the animal's uh, keeper. And I say keeper because I was at a zoo uh, here in Tucson, in Arizona here. Um, and I, I went up to an enclosure and there were two tigers in there and one tiger was walking around and, and doing what tigers do. And there was one mm-hmm. that was way back on the rock, uh, quite a bit of ways. So I kind of concentrated on that tiger um, and made a connection with it and was able to, you know, coax it over, I guess you'd say. So it actually got down off the rock and came over to the glass, that the glass barrier between us. Mm-hmm. And it just sat down in front of me and I, I sat down in front of it and we were kind of having a conversation. But his keeper, I didn't know this at the time, but his keeper was about 10 foot to the side of me watching all this happen. And I talked to the animal and, you know, found out why it was, you know, kind of by itself and that kind of a thing. And I, you know, made a promise to the animal that I would do what I can, if anything, to try to help it. And uh, then the animal got up and, and walked away and, you know, got a drink of water and whatever. And their keeper came over and said, what were you just doing there? I said, I know you're not going to believe me. I said, but I was actually talking to the tiger. And she said, you know, I do believe you. What did he tell you? (laughs) 
So I told her, you know, first off, you brought him from another zoo. I said, he misses the other zoo. Secondly, you're feeding him the entirely wrong diet. He doesn't like what you're feeding him. And I just kind of went on and on and on. And as I was telling her this, the tears started rolling. And she said, I wish I had that gift. She goes, I just love animals so much. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. And I said, well, I'm glad I could help out because I actually made a promise to him that I could relay it to somebody. And I was, I'm glad you're here. And uh, that was probably one of the more touching, you know, helpful things I was able to do for an animal. Can anyone learn this gift? Yes. Yes. Um, and it's just like anything else. You can learn it to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get better at it as you practice. It's just like, and I hate to use this analogy, but it's just like, you know, learning to play golf. Everybody can play golf. Some are terrible at it. Some are extremely good at it. And it's, a lot of it depends on how much practice you put in on. But yeah, we, uh, we hold psychic development classes uh, at our house once a month. And, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things we do is the people who want to learn animal communication, I try to work with them and try to get them uh, to open up. And I know it sounds too simple to believe, but, you know, to hear, one only has to listen. And that's, that's the key to animal communicating is just to give that attention to the animal and try to connect with that animal. So how long would it take someone to learn how to be an animal communicator? Again, depends on the person, you know, how willing they are to, you know, put in the work, so to speak. Some people are more naturally gifted. Uh, some people have to work out on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say probably out of the probably half dozen people that I work with, um, you know, two of them were just absolute naturals right out of the chute, so to speak. Right. And, you know, the others are still kind of struggling with it, but, you know, they're learning. It's just a little slower process for them. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our final break, uh, Dwight. ExoNation, we're talking to Dwight Hall. He is an animal communicator. He is a psychic. He is a paranormal investigator. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dwight about some of his paranormal investigations that he's conducted over the years. And uh, we'll also touch back on animals because as each and every one of you know who have been with me for the past 28 years doing this show, I love animals. We'll be back on the other side as the Exxon continues right here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, iHeartRadio, and Mutual Broadcast Network. And don't forget, you can check us out on TV on the Exxon channel on Simultv.com. Don't go away. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. 
live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www. WilliamSPeckham.com Dwight Hull is our special guest, Exonation. His website is BelieveParanormal.com. And first of all, Dwight, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and uh, sharing the stories that you have had uh, while you've been communicating with animals. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, are there any, you know, I'd like to talk to you about the paranormal investigations that you've been on, on the QEW, uh, Mansfield Prison, and others. But before we get to the paranormal aspect, is there... Are there any final words you'd like to share with the Exxon Nation tonight about animals? And if animals had the, the opportunity to speak to the Exxon Nation tonight, what do you think they would say? Well, um, you know, I guess the biggest thing is, like I said before, just listen, you know, and not just with your ears, you know, listen with your eyes, with your heart. Um, because animals are constantly trying to communicate with us. And it's a shame that more of us, you know, either can't or don't take the time mm -hmm. to communicate with the animals. It's just a pet. But it's it's much, much more than that. So, you know, I would say, you know, my advice and what I think animals would say is, you know, please listen, because we're, we're here to, 
to teach you and we're here to learn from you as well. So it's, uh, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. How do you deal with the heartbreaking stories that you must hear? You know, th that's the hardest, hardest part. Um, you know, I've worked a little bit. I wish I could do more, but I've worked a little bit with the SPCA. I've worked with local shelters. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely heartbreaking to walk into a place like that because it's, it's like, you know, 20 or 30 children just screaming at me at one time trying to, you know, ask for help or this or that. And it's, it just breaks my heart. And the hardest thing I have to do is like when I go to a park and, you know, I see a dog and I connect with that dog and he's telling me basically that, you know, his owner's an idiot. He beats him all the time. Oh, he keeps him, you know, wherever. And, you know, that's the hardest part. It would just be like a five-year-old child come up to you and say, you know, my mommy hits me all the time. Can you help me? What are you going to do? You know, with a child, it's a little different, but, you know, you can't really go to the police and say, hey, a dog told me. So it, it it's very, very heartbreaking in a lot of cases. Yeah, but you're an ex-cop, um, and I'm an ex-cop, and you know that if you go to a law enforcement agency and you say, I have reasonable and probable grounds to believe that this person is abusing their animal and should be investigated, they would. Yeah. And it, it has happened. I have done exactly that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, the, the turnout always worked out well. So, yeah, when I when I do run into that, that, that is often a case or a, a road I'll take. Um, and it's for the animal's benefit. And I will I will stand my ground. hundred and ten every single day of the week for an animal. Excellent. Fantastic. Okay, let's talk about, uh, we've got about uh, six minutes left, so I'd like to talk about some of the um, other side investigations that you've done, non-animal related. Uh, for example, the Picardy factory. Tell me about that, because I've been there and I didn't know it was haunted. Yeah, it is, actually. It's uh, it's an interesting place, as you know. You know, it's a very old place. Yeah. Uh, there are... Over time, you know, workers have gotten, you know, killed there and such. And it's actually an extremely uh, active place, at least it was when I was there. Um, I was in the military at the time, so I didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time there. Um, but uh, I, I actually was able to uh, contact a couple of workers from, you know, just about the time the Bacardi factory started. And uh, it, it was just amazing, you know, what they were kind of showing me, so to speak. Yeah. Um, as far as how the factories progressed from, you know, a smaller kind of a thing to what it is now. And um, it's it, it's the history. That's what really gets me is hearing the history from those who lived it. That's what it that's what really gets me. And how about the Queen Mary? I've had um, Richard Sennett on the show a number of times and and, uh, you know, he's one of the guys who loves to go to the Queen Mary and. Once again, why do the ghosts hang around there? Like, you know, how, how do ghosts and spirits like being the center of attention? And, you know, it's like a freak show, isn't it? You know, you're exactly right. And I, I can't thank you enough for actually putting it out there in words like that, because that's true. Um, you know, these spirits, again, I can't quantitatively prove it, yeah. but they want to be there, but they don't want to be the main attraction that, you know, 300 tourists a day come through and ask stupid questions and try to make them jump through hoops or, yep. you know, whatever. 
And, uh, you know, I we've gotten so much from not only the Queen Mary, but, you know, like here in Tombstone, the Birdcage mm-hmm. Theater, where a lot of these spirits just want to be left alone. But um, yeah, people come in and they, you know, it's it's a horror show, literally. But what does that tell us as humans, how we've we've kind of desecrated the life of the living who's passed onto the other side and we treat them so disrespectfully. And you're, again, you're exactly right. And, you know, that pours over to animals too. How many times have we seen that where they treat animals disrespectfully just, you know, to impose their will. Um, And probably the same thing uh, with, with the spirits. They don't, most or a lot of paranormal investigators, I'm not going to say most, I don't want to get hate mail. A lot of paranormal investigators don't take in a fact that these are just people without physical bodies. You have to treat them with respect. If you want interaction or if you want to do something, treat them with respect, just like you would a person standing in front of you. You don't walk into somebody's house and say, is there somebody here? I want to talk to them and they better talk to me now. You'll get thrown out. Yeah. And that's basically the same thing with spirits. You know, you go in and, you know, our book that, you know, I'll, I'll plug that one more sure. time. And our book just came out on the 8th. That is the one thing that we stress throughout the entire book is be courteous when you go to places. Even if it's a ghost town that nobody goes to anymore, mm-hmm. be courteous. There is generally always somebody who is still there. So, you know, kindness goes a long way, both in this realm and, you know, over there. I love that. I love that. What do you believe is the number one or the top three rules when conducting a proper paranormal investigation? Um, Well, you know, number one, I I just stated it, always be courteous. Always. Uh, number two, you know, again, always be courteous. I, I guess I can't stress that enough. Um, be courteous. If you, you know, always be honest mm-hmm. with the spirits. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's true. Always be honest and, you know, go in there with a purpose. Don't just go in there and say, you know, if there's anything you can tell me, well, you know, would you do that at a party? No. Because, you know, what are you going to get? Go in there with kind of a purpose. With us, it's to try to learn about the history of that area and about their life. So it was a lot easier to go in there and help already kind of have a, a line of conversation. And I don't want to call it questioning. I call it conversation. And I guess that's probably number three is when you go in, have a conversation. Don't have a, an investigation. Try to have a conversation. And you might come out with a whole lot more than what you thought. Where is the best place for someone who may be listening tonight for the first time and hearing you talk and you've excited them and they want to become a paranormal investigator? What should they do? Wow. Um, You know, over the years, I have generally given the advice of, you know, try to get with a uh, already um, established group Mm-hmm. And, you know, do a little research on them first, but try to get with an established group and try to, you know, get with them and have them teach you a little bit. Um, 
you know, watching the TV shows will generally tell you everything you need to know to not do it correctly. So I will never <laughs> suggest people to watch the TV shows. I hear you. Um, yeah, unless, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's the first thing people ask me as well. You know, I watch the TV shows. I said, well, that, now you know what not to do. Let me explain what you should do now. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of, uh, but I would say, you know, read, read books from people who have been in this for a long time, who are, you know, well respected. Um, John Zaffis, Jeff Belanger, I, I can throw off a lot of names. Yeah. Um, and do your research, you know, in the field before you go out and research, you know, the spirits. Make sure you know what you're doing before you go out there or at least, you know, have a general idea. Listen, uh, we're nearly out of time, but I'd like you to tell people how they can find your new book that is out, how they can get a copy, and once again, give out your website. Okay. Uh, our website is believeparanormal.com. Um, you can go to the website and order it. Um, it is. Uh, it was released on the 8th worldwide through Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, Llewellyn, who is our publisher, Llewellyn Worldwide. Uh, so any of those websites you can go to and order it. You can come to our website and order it directly from the website. And uh, from what we understand now, it's been picked up by a lot of uh, smaller uh, bookstores. So you can check a bookstore in your area. It may be sitting on the shelf now. Dwight, thank you so much for joining us. My very best to you, your family, and uh, keep the good work up, my friend. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Okay, thank you for having me on. You take care. Take care, buddy. XO Nation, our guest this hour has been Dwight Hull. And, um, you know, up and coming, I'm telling you, interesting animal communicating. What the animals think, what the animals say. And I agree with Dwight. We need to be more respectful when it comes to any aspect of investigating the paranormal. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the XO from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? 
we can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.